Hey, listen, um, I've been asked to introduce uh, Gene Miller here. A lot of you know Gene, and so when I was thinking, what would I say about Gene Miller? Um, Gene was baptized about uh, six or seven years ago, right here, I baptized Gene. And so probably then if I was to introduce Gene, I'd say, this is Gene Miller, he's a new believer in Jesus Christ, you know. And then years later, um, he, I saw him serving and volunteering and became a member of the church, and so I could have introduced him with any of those titles. But then Gene became my friend, you know, and so anyway, don't look at me, Gene. And, um, and so um, just love Gene to death. But as we were singing that new song, um, I think these words uh, best describe Gene. It says, because you healed my heart, you changed my name. I watched Jesus heal Gene's heart and I watched Jesus change his name. It says, forever free. I am not the same. And I tell you what, that is something that I know about Gene Miller. He is not the same. So this is not the same. Gene Miller, my friend. Love you, man. Well, that was a really great introduction. We'll just go ahead and wrap it up there. I don't think it's going to get any better than that for me, but... Um... I did want to say um, Merry Christmas to everyone. Um, I hope that you guys did have a great holiday season with your families. And um, let me get this thing, this technology to work for me. Um, as I said, I hope that you guys have enjoyed Christmas. I'm really shocked to see so many people here. And, um, and that's a good thing um, sometimes. Uh, having not been up here in a while, it's a, it's a little nerve-wracking. But I love seeing so many people in here on Sunday, the day after Christmas. It would have been easy to stay at home. And I'm thankful that you guys didn't, unless I bomb this, and then I'll be different. So, uh, as I understand it, you guys have just finished with Revelation. How did that go? Yeah, okay, good, good. Well, I'm going to kind of give you the, the Clemson Monk's Corner week off, because I'm going to keep it a little simple this week. <laughs> um, I believe that if you guys went through Revelation with the crew that we got around here, uh, that speak up here every week, you know, we've got some great ones and we've got some that, you know, bless their hearts, <laughs> myself included. So I'm really, you know, I think that it was kind of a divine intervention that I was no longer on staff when they went to Revelation because I would have ran and hid. Um, it's an intimidating book to me still, um, but I think it's necessary and uh, I compliment all of you guys for making it through it. <laughs> today, today we're going to focus on something a little more simple and... Um, what I hope to do today, and this is what I want for each and every person in this room, I'm just going to pose a simple little question right here at the beginning. What do you want to be known for? In your own personal life, as a Christian, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, what do you want to be known for? You know, we, we're going to do a little interactive thing here. I'm going to throw out some names, and I want you to tell me what these people are known for, if you know, and you should, and if you don't. Bless your heart. First is Michael Jordan. Does anybody know what Michael Jordan was known for? Basketball. Probably, and, and I know this would start a debate, but we're not doing that here today. Probably the best basketball player that I have ever seen in my lifetime. And I know that people will say Kobe, and I'll give Kobe his props. You know, he's, he's great also. Okay, uh, what about Tom Hanks? Yeah, what, what comes to mind? Forrest Gump, yes. Jenny, yes, right? But not only that, but all the roles, every role he's ever been in, he, he assumes that character, and he does it well. And he's known for that, 
He's known for being able to really dive into these characters, and you don't see Tom Hanks anymore. You see him as Forrest Gump. You see him as the castaway, and he's well known for that. What about Carrie Underwood? Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) Yes, yes, Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah, just a phenomenal voice, a phenomenal voice that we all have, have heard. I'm sure most of us in here have heard her voice, but she's well known for that. She's well known for that voice, that that gift that she has. And then one more, mine and and Scott's personal favorite, Jim Carrey. You got it, dumb and dumber, that's how we roll. (laughs) So yes, Jim Carrey, you know, is a great comedian. He's played a lot of great roles. You know, you had the Ace Ventura series, you had Dumb and Dumber, of course, you know. Everything he's ever been in, he was just funny to me. And it's probably because my IQ is low, but nonetheless, he's he's a great comedian. But the one thing that every single one of these people have in common is that they're known for being great at something. And I feel like every single one of us are no different in the sense that we can all be known for doing something great. And I think it's interesting to point out before I move forward from these four people, just to point out that I believe the reason that they were so good, so instrumental, and so well-known for what they did was because of the love that they had for what they did. One thing I loved about Michael Jordan, he put all he had into it. He loved the game so much, he practiced all day, day after day after day. He never stopped practicing. He never stopped trying to be better. And it's the same thing. And and these things shine through in these people. You know, Jim Carrey, I remember hearing about how he would be at home and standing in front of his mirror and, and making all these goofy faces that made us all smile for all those years. He spent all that time in the, in, the, in the bathroom. What were his parents thinking? You know, he's in there making faces in the bathroom. It's like, man, we might need to start over. You know, I, I don't know what he's going to do, but man, like, w- yes, we got our work cut out for us. But these people did their thing. They did what they did well because of the love that they had for what they were doing. And that's what makes every single one of us have the potential to be great is if we go at it with love. And today that's what we're talking about is that the greatest, the greatest thing is love. And I'm not talking about the song. You know, I I thought about this earlier and I talked to my wife about it and she told me not to do it. But you know, that, that great psalmist, Alan Jackson, you know, he had that song where he said, faith, hope, and love were some good things he gave us. And the greatest is love. And it truly is. It is, it is the, the greatest thing we've been given. And that's where we're going to be today is, is in Matthew chapter 22. And what's taking place here, and by the way, I wanted to, I, I'm new to this, but anybody that's watching at home online, first of all, I'm sorry, but I'm going to do my best, but we're glad that you're here. Um, I'm looking forward to what this message might provide for you, and I hope that you're inspired, and we would love to see you in here when you're comfortable and ready to come in. So looking at going into the scripture here, we're going to start with Matthew 22, 37 through 40, but I want to give a little backstory here of what's happening in this chapter. You see, all of the religious leaders, which was the Sadducees and the Pharisees, were trying really hard to trap Jesus into saying something that he could be arrested for. And after several failed attempts, they they decided, the Pharisees decided that they were going to come up and ask him a question. And the question they asked him was, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Now, of course, everyone there in attendance is expecting him probably to say one of the Ten Commandments. And they were hoping that he would say something that they could arrest him for. 
But instead, this is what he says. Jesus replied to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The first thing that jumps out to me in that is just the fact that he said the greatest is love. You know, because I think that a lot of us, as we've come up, you know, with our, as, as Christians, we've been told that, you know, all of the laws are important. They're all equally important. And here's Jesus saying that the greatest is love. And then a second is like it. But it, again, it is love. And he finishes that off by saying that all of the laws and all the prophets, everything else, every other law, if you love God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and if you love your neighbors as yourself, all of the rest of those fall under them. If we love our neighbors, we don't steal from them. If we love our neighbors, we don't kill them. Every other law simply does hinge on these two. And I think that sometimes we can tend to make things overcomplicated. And that's why I want to keep things simple today. And I, that's where I want you guys to go with me. Is that there are these two basic commands here that if we get these right, all the rest of them can tend to fall into place. And the bottom line on this is, is this. If love is the greatest, then we should love great. And if we want to be known for something, we should be known for loving great. As Christian brothers and sisters, if we really, really want to make a difference in this world, we should extend that love to others. We should love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul. We should love our neighbor as ourself. That's the necessity. And look, look at this scripture again. Jesus replied to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all of your mind. Again, this is the first and greatest commandment. It has to start there for us. We have to start with our relationship, my, your relationship with God. That's where we have to start. That part has to be right. That has to be the foundation of our relationship with God. That's the necessity to get it started. They keep saying that, you know, when, when in the scripture it says all, all, all. There's a reason for that. What it means is that we should love God with all that we have and all that he has given us. All of it. And sometimes we, we can kind of get, get astray, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, but if we look at each one of these alls, all of your heart, what is meant by that? What is meant by all of your heart? Your heart is your very core. Your heart is the fountain from which all of your feelings flow outwardly. If your heart is pure and your heart is set on Jesus, guess what? your feelings towards others, your feelings about your job, your feelings about the people sitting beside you are going to be much better than if your heart has, has negativity in it. So he's saying all of, all of your emotions, everything that you have needs to be focused on God. Proverbs 4.23 says this, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. That's how important it is. We have to guard our hearts because our hearts can lead us astray. Our hearts can lead us to do things that we otherwise wouldn't do if it's not focused 
if it's not focused on God. All of your soul, again, all, all of your soul. Our soul is the very breath that God breathed into us. It is everything about our existence. We wouldn't be without that soul. He gave us that soul. It is everything about us. It's our life, our life force. Everything about us is in our soul. It's every ounce of your existence. Without the soul, there's no existence. When he breathed life into you, you had existence. You had purpose. That's where you're at. And then all of your mind. Your mind, your thoughts, your faculties, your senses. We're commanded to love with all of those. How do we love with our senses? Like we did earlier with our ability to speak. We can sing praises to God. We can love him with our voices. We can share our testimonies with other people with our voices. We can listen to others in their time of need. We can hear them. We can use our sense of touch when we know those people who have lost a loved one or gone through troubled times if we just sit down there with them and just cry with them, hold them, embrace them. This is loving with everything you've got. That's what's being asked of us. I said about it, the all, how it goes, all of you are, all of you are, all of you are. The main point in all of that is this. God's wholehearted love must never be answered in a half-hearted manner. His wholehearted love should never be addressed by us in a half-hearted manner. We should strive to give freely what he's given us, the outpouring, the love that we have from him. The the, the issue, I think, though, is that in, in order for us to love him wholeheartedly, we must love him wholly. And I'm not H-O-L-Y, I'm the W-H-O-L-L-Y. Fully. We must love him fully. But it brings a question, and, and this is a question that I, I've wrestled with myself. I'm sure many of you have as well. The question is, who is the Lord you love? Who is the Lord that you love? I think back to a movie, um, Talladega Nights, when they were sitting around the, 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 the dinner table and he said, you know, I just really love the, the eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus. And then there's other people saying, well, you know, I like my Jesus to have on the little tuxedo T-shirt. You know, he's like business in the front, party in the back kind of thing. You know, who do you, who do you see? Who is the Jesus that you love? Sometimes we can be focused on the Jesus that went and died on the cross and paid the debt for our sins. And that is a great place to start. Truly is a great place to start. This huge sacrifice that he made for us is a great place to start. To understand that he took what we were supposed to have. He took away our death in his act. And he could have been done right after that if he wanted. He could have. And I think sometimes we we celebrate the fact that he died for us. I think, you know, like we just celebrated Christmas and baby Jesus, you know, and he, here he is. He's coming into the world. The light of the world is here. And we rejoice of that because we know he's here and we know what's coming. But he was so much more than a baby. He was so much more than that huge sacrifice. 
the price that he paid for all of us. And I know you guys were just in Revelation, and you, know, you think about Revelation 5.5, 5, and you think about Jesus there, and he's this mighty lion. And we think about that, which can be intimidating, and I think it can help us miss. Yes, he is the lion. Yes, he is the lamb. Yes, he is fully God. He is fully man. But there's where I sometimes miss it is that he's fully man as well. When he lived here, he was fully man. That means he felt the emotions we feel. He endured the things that we endure. He dealt with everything that we could possibly deal with, yet he was able to step back and not sin the way that we tend to do. When someone hurts us, I'll hurt you back. He didn't do it. He has a complete, full understanding of everything we endure, yet he chose not to because of him being fully God. He didn't have to go down that path. And this is who's on our side. This is, more of the, the, this is more of the Lord that I want you guys to see because he's so much more than the sacrifice. So much more. He was resurrected and he ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand. But what else did he say? I will be with you always to the end of the earth. When he sent him out, he said, I will be with you always. The helper, he sent along the Holy Spirit. We're not alone He didn't just leave us behind. He's with us right now in this room sitting around every one of us. Every one of us. The beauty is that he loves us right where we're at. In our sinful ways that we have, in my sinful ways, he still loves me then. And even though sometimes my love for him is half-hearted, it's still good enough for him. He's still there. He still accepts me that way. That's what I want you guys to understand. What we know about Jesus dictates everything about how we love him. And he's not just present in the good times and in the blessings. I was sharing a story earlier with Scott. Um, Just before I got ready to fly up here, I had to run to Home Depot in Panama City and buy some stuff, and I was in a hurry, and I went to the back of the Jeep, and I packed it all in there. And I get in the Jeep, and I'm a redneck, and I'm driving down the road, and it's really rough, and I'm loving my new four-wheel drive Jeep, and so I'm like hitting these holes and enjoying it and bouncing all over the place. I go about a half a mile down the road. I pull into the store because I want to get a Coke Zero. I can't find my wallet. So doing what I do, I walk to the back of the Jeep, the last place I remember seeing it, putting it on the bumper. Y'all, it was still there. He's there. He's not just there in the good times. So I celebrated him in that. Yes, he was there in the good times. But you know what? If my redneck attitude would have thrown that wallet off into the ground, he still would have been there, and he still would have provided a way. That's the difference. We can celebrate him in the good things, but we need to remember that he's there when things aren't good. The benefit about it is when we're in our darkest hours, He's there with us too. Not only is he there, but he understands. There is nothing that we are ever going to endure here that he hasn't already endured. This is true love. This is true love. Look, I've already endured everything that you are going to endure, and I want to be right there with you. I want to walk through it with you. That's what he does. Been reading a book called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. And he creates this great picture in this book that I want to share with you guys. 
And I think that this is the Lord that we should learn to fall in love with. It's so much, so much more fitting, and, and it really just gives you the example. Like, I want you to see this because we know he's fully man and we know he's fully God. But in this moment, think about him being fully man. He came as a normal man to normal men. He knows what it is to be thirsty, hungry, despised, rejected, scorned, shamed, embarrassed, abandoned, misunderstood, falsely accused, suffocated, tortured, and killed. He knows what it is to be lonely. His friends all abandoned him when he needed them the most. Had he lived today, every last Twitter follower and Facebook friend would have unfriended him when he turned 33, the same man who will never unfriend us. All that he endured, and he's still right here with us every day. And he's endured this stuff. And who better to have on your side than somebody that's already walked down the road that you're on? It's so important that we see the true Lord, that we really see him for who he is. I know often we get this question of, how do we get to know him? How do we get to know him? How do I get to know somebody that's not here? Well, if you want to know more about a person, you can go to social media, you can log on, and you can look at their profiles. You know, you can get onto Facebook and you can kind of do the Facebook stock thing where you go and you look at their profile and you look through all their pictures and you scroll down through their feed and see what kind of posts they're putting out there and you kind of get a good idea for who they are or maybe who they're not. You can kind of see some glimpses in that. I guess I'm the only one that does that. Guilty. Just want to know what I'm getting into ahead of time. But if you want to know someone, you can do it. If you want to know Jesus... You just log into Facebook right here. You just log into Facebook and you open it up. And you start reading the posts. And you flip through here and you read these stories and you see you know, the, the things that Jesus had to say and what he was doing. And you start to see who he really is. And when you start seeing him as fully man, fully God, it makes a whole big difference. Now all of a sudden he's approachable. He's not this... High and mighty, oh, I could never go to him. You know, he would be so ashamed of me. If I went out to hug him, he'd probably look at me like I was a slug. That's another quote from Ortland. Reach out and touch it and just be like, ooh, get away from me. Another way that you can get to know him is by talking to his family. And they're all sitting around you right now in this room. Get together in the growth groups. You know, there's a lot of knowledge in this room. Not so much on the front row, but, you know, there's a lot of knowledge in this room. Just kidding, Scott. I'm sitting there, too. I just realized I shot myself in the foot there. But there's a lot of knowledge in this room. But, you know, and if you guys think about it, because we just finished with Christmas, if you guys got together with family, you know there's no better way to hear the dirt on other family members than going to these get-togethers and talking to your family about so-and-so and such-and-such. We've all got that one that wants to say, yeah, I was going to tell you about Aunt Vessie over there. You know what she did the other day? They're there. You're going to hear. It's not hard. And then another way is to talk to him. Talk to him through prayer. We hear these things all the time. But if you want to be known 
If you want to be known out there as someone who loves, we must first understand the one that loves us. Because until we truly understand how we're loved, we don't really understand the depth of his love. And until we understand the depth of his love, we don't really have the love to go and give to love others. And until we understand how much he loves us, it's hard for us sometimes to love ourselves. So it's a great place to start. I know that a lot of times, you know, many of us have heard these same things over and over through our, through our lives about, well, if you'll read your Bible and if you'll pray every day and you'll get into the growth groups and we want to tend to complicate things. Oh, it can't be that easy. It's got to be something harder than that. It's got to be more. I've got to do something different. But it's not. But sometimes for me, my tendency is to think it's got to be more complicated. And so I will go and do everything except for the one thing that's tried and true. How did Jesus' disciples come to know him? Because he went and they did life together. He was there with them all the time. They were asking him questions. You can do the same thing when you open up the faith book. You can ask questions and the answers are in there. You can talk to other people and say, hey, what do you think about this? Tell me about Jesus. What, how, what was he thinking whenever he went in there and flipped those tables over? Was he angry? Was, was that a sin? All of those things are great conversation topics so that you can start to see the love that he has. I'll say it again, that our love for God should be wholehearted, involving all that we have, and it's all that we are, because he gave it to us. So now we move on, and Jesus, his reply, he continues to say, the second is like it. He says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In this statement right here, he shut down the religious leaders. They no longer had a case because he just proved to them, like I said a minute ago, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and if you love your neighbors, how are you going to sin against them? That's why these are the greatest because if we can get these two right, and yes, it's two, it's two. There are many other laws. They had like 360 laws back then. Oh, you got to do this and you can't do that. They're summed up right here. We're moving into a new year and we have the opportunity to be known for something great. As believers sitting in this room, we can move on to be something great, you guys. We can be known for loving the unlovable, for loving the broken, for loving people that no one else will. And when we do that, we should tell them why we're doing it. I'm loving you because he loved me. Because when I was where you are right now, he or someone else came to me and said, get up, come here, let me make things better. We can do that for other people. That's what we're here to do. For the longest time, if you've been at Easter, it's for any length of time, you know, you've heard, love God, love people reach the world. If we love God and we love his people, guess what? That alone is going to reach the world the way things are nowadays. People will take notice of that. I hope that you guys are getting this. I want you to. It's so, so very simple yet complex, but it doesn't have to be over complicated. 
So in that verse, you know, it says to love your neighbor as yourself. And I think, and this comes from my own experience, I want to start with the yourself part, about loving yourself. So my question now is, is how well do you love yourself? Please, nobody answer out loud. (laughs) Just take a second, though, and really think about that. How do you love yourself? I just think it's necessary to start there because if we don't love ourselves very much, it's going to be really hard to love others. And that's okay. That's okay because there's a solution to that as well. If you don't love yourself, here comes some good news. You can change it. You can change it. There are ways. I was able to change my, my demeanor, the way I feel about people through CR. And I'm not saying that's the only way, but I'm telling you guys that if you have issues, if you have self-esteem issues, if you feel like you're less, if you feel like you're not worthy, if you feel like you're an addict, if you feel like you don't belong in this room and you feel like you have to come in and sit on the back row and not make eye contact with people, you belong here. You belong here because the people that are in front of you, the people that are beside you are dealing with or have already dealt with the same issues. And a lot of them will be more than happy to tell you that. There's so much. You don't, have to, you don't have to believe anything about who you were. Once you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, and this goes for every believer in the room, and for those of you who may not believe, this can be yours as well. From the moment that you accepted Christ or accept Christ and ask his forgiveness, guess what? You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're brand new, you're a new creation, you're holy, you're set apart. You are a child of God. And it sounds good, but it bounces around up here sometimes and those other voices keep playing over and over and over and say, you're not worthy, you're not good, you're not the one, you're not chosen, look what you did, look at your past. Those are lies, those are lies. A man, a God, a full man that would come here on this earth and endure the pain that he endured to take away your sins, to make you holy, to make you cleansed. Why on earth would he ever want you to go back to believing that you were who you were before? It would all be in vain. We have to learn we, we, we really need to get this. I, you guys, start reading if you need to, but we really need to get this down. We need to see Jesus for who he really is because the better you understand him, the more you see that he is love, the more you know you're loved. And the more you know you're loved, the more you see how he tells you who you are and whose you are and what you can do and everything that he has planned for you. And in time, you will start to believe those things. I'm telling you the truth. I've been dealing with this for two years of thinking I wasn't good enough. I didn't measure up. I had no business being up here. But God said something else. And I had good people in my life that believed in me sometimes more than I believed in myself. And those kind of people are sitting around you right now. 
This is necessary. This is necessary for us to get together, not just in this room, but outside of this room, because you guys know that the minute you walk out of here and you go back to your jobs and you go back out into the world, you're under attack and it can feel empty and you can feel alone, but you're not. You're not. If you feel that way, then get a phone number from somebody in this room before you leave today, because you're loved. You are loved and you are set apart, and you are holy, and you were created for a purpose, and it's much more than what you could ever imagine. And he wants that for you. So how well do you love yourself? I know that sometimes, and I'm not going to stay on this very long, but I know that sometimes we can love ourselves too much. Sometimes we can love ourselves so much that there's not enough room to love others. And we have to be careful of that. So how well do you love others? After all, this is the second and greatest command. The reason that I say others instead of neighbors is that I want to protect the context here. Whenever Jesus said that, he said neighbors. But I don't want us to be confined to thinking about just our next door neighbors because then it becomes maybe it's, oh, we're just supposed to do that with our politically, you know, we see the same way in politics or we're in the same status or we're, you know, we're in the same neighborhood. I don't want it to be that way. It is all of mankind that he's talking about here. It's all of mankind from the least to the greatest. What you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. It's necessary for us to do that. And what are we if we don't have love for others? Paul in Corinthians really summed it up really well. He said, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of the angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Without love for others, everything else that we have is pointless. It means nothing if we don't have love for others. If I knew every scripture in the Bible inside and out, but I had never applied any of it to my life, if I had never shown the love to others that Christ's love showed to me when I was down in the ditch and I was worthless and I knew it, and he came over and he picked me up out of that and got me up here and cleaned me off and helped me become more than I ever thought I could be, if I didn't go and share that with other people, what was the point? And that's true of every believer in this room. Every believer in this room has that story that you can share with other people that is sharing, that's loving others. It's an outpouring of Jesus' love. The Lord's love for us is so great that it could, should not help but to flow outwardly from us to other people. We should be willing to go and help people and then let them know why we're doing it. Think about who you were and where you were when you cried out for help. Now think about the possibility of you coming into contact with someone that is in that situation right now. Can we help others? Absolutely. Have we been gifted and called to do that? Absolutely. Why aren't we? Let's be known, let's be known for loving 
When we walk out of here and we go into this new year, let's be known for loving. Let's let the world say, wait, these Christians are different because they're out here loving. They're showing the love of Christ. And then they're explaining why. They're saying, it's because of what he did for me. I can't keep it in. You've got to know what he's done for me. And I want to help you because I was where you were. And I understand where you were. And I want you to be with him. Because the greatest is love, we should love great. I'm going to close out with just a little examples here. You know, because the question comes up, how do we actually love others? How do we love those that sometimes are really broken, you know, and, and it's maybe they're smelly, you know, I don't know. You know, there's reasons that we come up with of why, well, I would, but, you know, I don't want to walk across the street and talk to them. I just got off work. I'm going to throw some hypotheticals out, and some of these are from my own recent life. Let's say that you're an employer, and one of your employees has been late a couple of times in the last week because they have a dead battery because the temperatures, when they get cold, the battery doesn't want to start. Maybe we should buy him one. Maybe we should buy him one and tell him why we're doing it. Maybe you're a mechanic and you notice that your next door neighbor's car is sitting over there in the yard with this, and the hood's been up for two or three days. Maybe you could go over and see if you could give him a hand and while you're helping him, you could tell him why. I'm over here because of what Christ has done for me because whenever I didn't have a ride, something happened or because whenever I was a drunk, he came to me and helped me and got me out of that and now I want to share that with you. They go on and on. Students, maybe you notice a new kid at school and nobody's sitting with them. Go invite them in. Say, hey, come sit down and eat with us. Help them get plugged in. Maybe they don't plug in with you guys, but once you talk to them, you get to know them. Help them get plugged in. Help them. Maybe you see an elderly neighbor who's struggling to get to her mailbox to get her mail, or maybe she's struggling to pull the trash down to the street. Just takes a couple of minutes. There's millions of ways we can love our neighbors. This one was one for me. Maybe you're in line at the store and you're in a hurry because you just wanted to go in and get a couple of things and you look up and you see this mother up there struggling, having to make those tough decisions of what food do I need to put back because I don't have enough money. And here I am like, man, I got to go. I just needed a couple of things and I see what's going on and the conviction. I walk up there and I slide my card and then I presume to tell her why I did it. It's not for me, it's for him. And then I share with her that about 15 years ago at Christmas, I had nothing. I was unemployed. We had kids. We were living in a trailer park. We had nothing. And someone, and I still don't know who did it to this day, put a $250 Walmart gift card in my mailbox along with another $200 to Kroger that said, here, buy some groceries and buy some Christmas for your kids. The only thing we ask is to do it again sometime in the future when you're able. I never forgot that, y'all. How about the waitress? who's given bad service, and maybe she's having the worst day of her life. Tip her anyway. Tip her anyway. Maybe she's at the point where she's ready to either give up, or maybe she's ready to get on her knees and give in. And maybe you could be the catalyst that helps to steer that in the right direction so that hell does lose another one. We have the opportunity to show this world what it needs. And I'm sure that most of us, when we walk out of here, talk about all these things, too, about, you know, well, the world's just going bad, and there's just not love, and there needs... We're it. 
We can do this, y'all. We can do this. When you go into this new year, go into this new year with one word in mind, love. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and love your neighbors as yourself. And if you're still struggling to love yourself, come down and check out CR. It's necessary to do this, you guys, because the greatest is love. And because the greatest is love, we as believers should love great. And I just want to say right before I walk away, if you don't know him, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, please, please don't walk out of here. I won't keep you long. Please don't walk out of here without coming down and talking to me. Thank you guys very much. Let's go out there and be the church, and let's be known for how we love. Let's be great at loving. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gene. Thank you so much. Um, hey, won't you stand with me? Uh, we're we're going to pray in a second. You know, I was going to say, hey, let's, but he already said, let's be known for love. 2022 is coming. A lot of things are, are going to happen. But let's be known for our love for God and our love for other people. Let's be known for love. Father God, thank you so much that you have shown us love. Father, you are known for love. You are love. Your word tells us that. Father, you have shown us love in Jesus Christ. And Father, now we're able to love perfectly, God. So, Father, I do pray, as Gene has preached, Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, we will be known for love. And I pray in the name of Jesus, who loved us, amen. amen. Thank you, Gene.